Hello, and welcome to The Point. You are in for a treat today. If you're expecting a lot of the same of what you've seen over the last 47 episodes, strap in and get ready for something different. Today, you're going to be exposed to a highly effective solution model that will help you understand how to be supportive to someone who's had trauma or things that you could consider for yourself if you have had some form of trauma in your life. Now, you are going to be walk away from this episode much more equipped than you came into it. Whether you are significantly aware of what trauma is and how to deal with trauma and you're a professional in trauma, I believe you will still you will walk away with some thoughts and perspectives that are different than where you started. If you don't know a lot and you're looking for answers on how to be more supportive to someone that's experienced trauma or you have people that work for you and in your company that have had trauma and you're finding that you're having to make accommodations and navigate to support people that you've learned to care about and that are making great contributions and yet have some type of an adapted version of themselves that's sabotaging or something else, you are going to have key specific ways of speaking to people and about situations that will help you significantly. So first, I'm going to give you a little bit of history and tell you a story. And, you know, this is a little vulnerable. You're going to see a side of me that I don't share a lot. And I'm going to share with you one thing. It's it's something I don't share a lot of today because I learned being someone who suffered a lot of childhood and developmental trauma, it's called developmental trauma, and has had some adult trauma. <clears throat> 35, 36 years ago, I started looking for help. And maybe before that, I started looking for help in how to handle and process trauma, how to heal or get better or I used to say not be affected or or act like it never happened type of thing. I wanted to be unaffected by trauma. And along the way, I became it became important to talk about the trauma and share the trauma and what I learned is that that can be reinvigorating for me, reinforcing and reinvigorating the trauma. At one point I used the language that says, man, it might as well be happening all over again the way I'm thinking about it. And I was lost and confused. Of course, I went through a judgmental process shortly after that of, I can't believe I ever said anything like that. I'm such a blah, blah, blah. So negative self-talk, a lot of other things were in play. And what's happened over the years is that what I learned is, more importantly than any of that, I found that it was almost dangerous to share ideas because it one of two things. It could either implant an idea or memory or thought into someone who didn't have the trauma but were very susceptible and open, and then they take it on whether it's real or not because that's how memory and how the mind can work. Or someone who's had trauma, it just opens them up in a way that they become very vulnerable and it's not, very, and it's not safe. So as I learned to love myself more, as I learned to demonstrate love to myself, I learned how to love others differently. And I didn't need to be as abrasive. And 
at one point, I went into a business venture with a good friend of mine that's also a therapist, and he had had a way of integrating integrating with people in trauma that used a number of therapeutic resources to help them through. And he was best with veterans and, and um, adult type traumas. He was absolutely very skilled. He worked a lot with developmental trauma as well, but he was highly skilled with the veterans and, and adult type of trauma and first, first responders. And we opened up for lack of better words, a supportive living home, which was my home, and a number of circumstances happened that I had a big house and no one in it but me, and I, we thought, well, it seems like all all the universe is guiding us to try this now, and he started an intensive outpatient clinic, and I did the supportive housing, very similar to what you might have seen from the... Uh, sober living homes and other things that are happening, but we were doing it with trauma survivors and we had first responders and veterans and um, a few other significant people with significant trauma, but most of it was centered around that, um, that demograph. And we created a safe living space. And of course it did need to be a sober environment because it's important to be free from as many things as possible from as many mood or mind altering substances, unless prescribed by a psychiatrist to, um, when you're processing trauma, so you can really process through and not have anything else inhibiting. And what we created in this process, now we ended up not moving forward with the project as a full on business because the, uh, the amount of hours put into the trauma therapeutically. And let me just tell you right now, I am not a therapist. I would never try and be a therapist, uh, and you know that should be left to the therapist and to the psychiatrist in that whole ar- arena because there are very specific things to do and not do in that world. Um, but I would I would do the coaching part, and I would help people use new resources that they were trying, and I would make sure that they were safe. And if they hit crisis, it was fine. But the intensity of the amount of hours of that type of therapy was proving to cause a lot more work in the home. And the skill level of people we needed to hire became a cost issue. And it was very difficult. So a slower method of, of trauma would suggest that the experts were have already been right all along in that and that it, it, it's important to take a calculated, slower approach. And... Um, Either way, we developed a process that works and transitioned really well into the coaching portion of how we dealt with trauma. And we we put an acronym to it called IRTR, which is Integrated Resource Trauma Resolution. Now, I, we don't, that's nothing that's being sold or anything else. It's just what we called it. Now, if I didn't say it before, it's important you it's really important you understand the value here is that this is like a public service announcement based on experience and 36 years plus of processing and helping others process trauma and doing all types of things to try and heal and get better okay and this is not something anyone's in in tip of the sword or myself are selling these are certainly things that i incorporate with clients as needed to support people 
because there are a lot of folks that have been through trauma. And all of that will be revealed as we go through here. But if I didn't say it before, I want to make sure that I've said that now. So IRTR is Integrated Resource Trauma Resolution. And what it means is, is that the client, myself, in, in, in the case of my story, myself going through trauma, I finally got to learn how to stay in the driver's seat of my life and make my own decisions. And there were moments where it was important for me to give up my autonomy in some form of decision-making process where I, I, I told my mother when I was 22 years old, Mom, I'll do anything you say for one year with budgets, with where I live, with I, we had a list of things that if it's related to any of these things, how I spend money, how I use my time, it was all these things, anything like that, I will defer to allowing, to you telling me what the best thing to do is, if it's different from what I want to do, and I will guarantee you, I will promise and be accountable to do whatever you say, and a year was probably too extreme, but again, one of those, that's pretty common for someone who's been through, for me anyway, for having been through trauma, is that I, I live in extremes, or I did live in extremes. So, But for one year, I truly did. And what I learned in that time, I stayed autonomous. I stayed in the driver's seat of making decisions. I just deferred to her so I could learn from the new decision. Now, I've done that subsequently, and I've helped many other people do that subsequently, so that you know, after the fact, somebody could say, well, okay, for three weeks, I'm going to let you make these decisions for me. So here's my routine and here's what I'll do for three weeks or one month. It's important to remember that whoever the client is gets to stay in the driver's seat. So they're a free choice to make these decisions differently. And they get to then learn from and grow from the new experiences, emotions, and reactions that they're having to all this. So that's IRTR. And IRTR is the idea that integrated resources, I as the client am coming to the table with resources that I already have. I have survival techniques that I've used that work amazingly. I had developed amazing stories as a child having been through trauma that gave me a reason to want to live when I otherwise might not have wanted to. And other things like that that were, looking back, really amazing skills for a kid to come up with, ideas for a kid to come up with and execute to survive. So I had survival skills. Those are important for anyone that's been through developmental trauma. Now, <clears throat> going through adult trauma, there's also other things. There's breathing techniques. There's tapping. There's all kinds of things. You'll, you'll, you'll read about Navy SEALs or hear about Navy SEALs and other people that have in the training, ways to manage their physiology so that trauma gets dealt with well. Well, very important to delineate between two things here, adult trauma and developmental trauma, because they can be, and a therapist should be the one to, to decide this, or a psychiatrist, they can be, by using resources, separated into much different paths of, of treatments. So, Psychiatrists, therapists are all amazing resources. If a psychiatrist thinks a medication is right, the, the client still gets to say, I want to be on medication or don't want to be on medication. The client still has an opportunity to learn to advocate for themselves. But 
they're a resource to listen to that have an expertise that help us understand the differences. And I'm going to tell you right now, my opinion is, is that 35 years ago, no one understood the difference between the different traumas. And all we knew was how to run hard into a fire and burn like hell and hope that we got better. And it was re-traumatizing, but we didn't care. We just wanted to, we just wanted to get better. And we believed it had to hurt to feel better. I don't believe that anymore. But these, but our therapists and our doctors have made such progress on what we're doing. And now in coaching, we've made huge progress on what we're doing. So we can help with tapping techniques. We can help with breathing techniques. We can sit and do that with someone together. We can do it with groups. We can, there's all these resources that we can use. So we have internal resources. We have external resources. We have other people as resources. We have other professionals. That's integrating all of those resources and allowing you to stay in the center of your life. If you're talking to someone that is had trauma and they're in a victim stance from it, that's the other thing. It's helping them maintain their autonomy. You know, if you start, there's a lot of talk now about all the different things that are happening with trafficking and other stuff. And, and it, one of the ways we're trained when we're going to execute to help rescue someone from one of those situations, it's important not to violently remove someone from a terrible situation. And a lot of other, uh, you know, a lot of other professionals will train you, will, will be trained in that now, where you don't violently remove anyone. You stop and sit with them so you're not re-traumatizing and help them have some form of ownership over their life. Allow them to maintain as much autonomy as they can have as we heal them back to being fully autonomous. Okay, moving on from that. <clears throat> The next thing that I want to share with you is that all of the stuff that I've learned about trauma, there's one solid way to think about this that is important. Notice that I'm talking to you. Whether you've had any trauma or not, I guarantee you, unless you're living alone as, a, as, as just a complete shut-in and don't ever talk to anybody, and even then it might be difficult, you know someone that's had significant trauma. So I'm talking to everyone. I'm talking to you that has had trauma. I'm talking to you that has not had trauma. I'm talking to you that's had a little and had a lot. The ACEs score, and you can look up the ACEs score, and it's a very simple health and human services type of test that can be taken. It's 10 questions of did this happen to you, did you ever experience this, whatever, and it's before you turned 18. And anywhere you land on that scale, there's 10s, there's 9s, 8s, there's people all over the scale, but it's you can only be 1 through 10. And something that we've learned, and I sat in a seminar a few years ago, with, and this woman, Emily, had was sharing about the ACEs score and these light bulbs were just firing off that it this is such an easier way to start talking about trauma. So if you have someone in your life that has had some trauma and is trying to work through it, one of the things that can be done is help them access and take the ACEs score. It's as simple as Googling ACEs trauma, ACEs score, ACEs test. It will show up and it's a 10-question test. Help someone take it you'll determine whether or not their trauma is then developmental or adult. And maybe it's easier than taking the test. If you know it's developmental, 
and that there's something prior to 18 that they had experienced and that they're just, you're just hit. Maybe you're hitting your own wall and you don't know why. And you can't remember why. Take the ACEs score. And I'm here to promise you something. What we've learned, and I'm a seven on the scale. I'll just share that with you. I'm a seven out of one to 10. And an eight isn't worse. And a five isn't better. And none of them have any judgment to them. What we've learned is that if you're a half of a, of a point, if you're like, well, I don't really know if that happened, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, maybe. Like, that's kind of me. If you're having the symptom, the same symptoms, it doesn't matter if you're half a point or if you're a 10 or if you think you're more than a 10 because of how of frequency or anything else. We all have the same feelings. You have the same feelings and potential blocks in your life, whether you're a half a point or a 10 or a five or a seven. You have the same feelings and the potentially the same emotional, mental, physical blocks to getting what you want. You're, it, it's a way where I learned that it was about being adapted from my true self in survival strategies and techniques that I had derived as ninja skills having been through trauma. It might just be a way of thinking or something else, but the feelings are the same. So no judgment, no ego, everything comes out of it. And now here's the next thing that's really important. Some of you are zeros. Sitting in that one seminar, in that one, it had nothing to do with trauma. This person just started talking about trauma and how they're clear of how many people it affects. So if you're if you're dealing with trauma, if you're at all in any realm, you're you could be a zero. So you are sitting here listening to this or watching this, maybe driving your car, and you're a zero and you're not sure how to relate or connect. And what I'm here to tell you is that. There's an absolute connection. Maybe you're a five and you're like, if someone hasn't had trauma, there's no way that they can help me or that I, I'll understand them. I'm here to tell you that that is absolutely a shift you can make because I learned that there were zeros. Someone in that room said, oh my gosh, there's people who have never experienced trauma. They're zeros. They were flabbergasted, and a handful of other people popped off with a similar idea. Like, yeah, I had never really thought about that people had zeros. Because if you've experienced some form of trauma, you tend to think that's normal. That's what everyone's experienced. So we baseline and level it out with an assessment that's really broad and gives us 10 specific things to look at. And guess what? If you're on the scale at all, you have the same feeling, so there's a relatability. And if you're not on the scale, there's relatability because you're around people who have. And it could be your own family member. It could be your brother or sister or anybody. It could be anybody. So there's no judgment. I want to say that again. There's no judgment. There's no rating scale of better or worse. There's just we all share a commonality or we share a connection to people that have a commonality. Now, what can be valuable if you're a zero? What can be valuable is that without certain experiences, you, without the adaptations from some type of trauma, if the same goal is 
hitting this enlightened state of being in a different way of thinking where we're not as reactive and we're more interactive and active in our decisions and in our and in our behaviors. So we're not we're not knee-jerk reacting to things all the time and causing more problems because we just get upset or we have some other type of issue. It's we're able to think through and be reasonable and be mindful and breathe. And we don't have these roller coasters of upheavals. Right? What could I learn having had all of that and needing some of that high adrenaline to live? What could I learn from the experience of someone who's a zero? And then in the middle, what other adaptations could someone have zero still have that's relatable just because they were taught to judge their thoughts or their behaviors? There's this, there's this thought process if we get down into this and, and do a drawing of it where there's an event that happens in life. And we're going to make the event, I'm going to make the event purple because I like purple, okay? And I want a really thick, how do I make this thicker? Click the pen, I think. Click the pen. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay, here we go. Watch this. There's an event. We were talking about this earlier. If you're walking down the street and you meet somebody and your the hair goes up on the back of your neck and you think, man, that person's creepy or weird or something else. If you listen to that because you're honoring yourself and you're in, in your most innocent reaction, that's great. But let's say you've never had any trauma, but you've been taught to judge that, oh, that's not appropriate. You're just thinking that because they look homeless or because they look whatever. Um, and you're not allowed to be judgmental. You have to... Excuse me. <clears throat> that could be it. So if you're judging yourself for the thought you had, then you're not honoring that initial thought. Remember, our initial most innocent thought that happens right here at this event, it's attached to the event. This right here is where we're met where the universe can speak to us, where our intuition is alive and well. So all of that is is information. Emotion, anyway, is just a delivery mechanism. So if we, again, remove judgment, that's, that's great. We can do that. So you cannot be adapted at all and still be moved away from that and down here making a different decision that doesn't acknowledge this and takes you over here towards making decisions that are have no honor over that initial reaction. So now, maybe you find that in that type of case, maybe you find that you're attracting people in your life that are very needy and that are victims and that want, are always take, take, take. Maybe they're, you know, maybe you're whatever. If you're not listening to that, man, this person's a creeper. This person, there's something off, and then they steal from you or whatever else. I, I, I'm not... No, everyone here is safe. If you're listening and you're watching this, you're 100% in a great place and no one's, no one's hurting you. And you can listen to yourself, innocent, that innocent part of yourself, and do it fine. But over here on the adapted self, so that's one way that you could not have had trauma and still be adapted based on some way of being taught. So now there's a bridge 
And you get to think of what it is that's disabling you or that's having you not listen to this. If you're listening to this and you're coming over here and you're not and you're not making the decisions and you're just making a decision based on honoring yourself, you don't talk to that person. You move on because you know there's X amount of millions of people that you can deal with and you don't need to deal with them because someone else will like them and want to talk to them. You don't have to because your intuition said, hey, that's not a person for you to talk to. And you have a reasoning for why that happened, and you don't question it. You just know that that was where you were, that how you, what your innocent reaction was, and you honored it and didn't judge it. Now, you might still talk to the person, but remembering that was your reaction, not to judge, just to wait and see what happens and allow it to prove itself, then you're at least more understanding, and you're making decisions that don't add to a bunch of surprise and drama. If you've ever said, I can't believe that people are. There, there, there's a sign, that's a signal that you might be adapted whether you've had trauma or not. Because of course you can believe. If you really stop and bring those words down and think, can I believe it? Because they've been doing this over and over and over and I keep saying I can't believe it. When am I going to take the denial off and just look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's what's been happening. Like that is what happens. Okay, well, maybe if I start believing it, I can do something about it. Well, now here's the trick on the adapted self. So here if you're in trauma... And your reaction is way down here. Let me go to red, right? And now you're making a decision that is based on a thought that's so far removed. And you're a fist looking for a fight. And you react quickly and get angry. And then that causes a problem because they're angry. And then the innocent bystander doesn't like it. And your kid was there. So they're upset. And now they're all freaked out. And now there's secondary trauma and you start creating a mess in your life. Now, therapists are going to take this and we're going to start looking at a therapeutic process and help you with the behavior management and bring it back to here and start evaluating your behavior. Now, I'm not saying that's what all therapists are going to do. That's one way of using therapy. And they might use CBT or DBT or some of the other types of cognitive behavioral training and therapies with you. Or they might do other things to try and help unwind this mess. But getting from here to here can take time in th with therapists and coaches and everything else. If we begin to learn to listen back here, right, at the closest moment of the event, the closer, closer we can get here, at least hearing this, we can end up skipping a lot of this process. So here's how someone at zero with some adaptations or without adaptation, doesn't matter, or someone at significant trauma or any trauma come together because now we get to learn from each other. Most of you are not completely free of adaptations. If you're listening to this, there's a significant chance that you're using strategies and you're, you've adapted yourself to a way you were taught to handle something that wasn't comfortable until you kept doing it and you made it comfortable for yourself. That would be an adaptation. Another way of going about it would be to take it on and understand what, what you were taught and what it's trying to accomplish and go back to what the goal and the point was of that and then create your own way of going about it. That's the beauty of strengths. Everyone's wired differently. You know, 
I've you'll, you'll, you've heard this before. You can go look it up on Gallup's website under Clifton Strengths. One in 1.33 million percent chance that you have the same top five strengths out of 34 as someone else in the same order. An amazing. It, you're 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 more rare than one in a million. Yet you're just like everyone else. In that. You probably have and you do have some adaptations that aren't necessarily your natural way of being, the most effective, most efficient way of being to help you move forward. So if we start getting into designing strengths, we can quickly start working in this realm between these two directions to learn how to honor that most innocent part. If we go back over here to the adapted, I want to help make one more point is that if we're in trauma over here, a common theme that's different from over here is if you talk about innocence and if you look up innocence, innocence is a concept of new, of something fresh, new, beginning, something, right? So if you look up the clear definition of innocence, you'll find something very clear. And But yet we put this concept of it that innocence is something childlike. Certainly that's a good metaphor. But the truth is that we have innocence anytime. You're innocently hearing this information right now on this podcast, and you're having your own innocent response and reaction. If you're like me 10 years ago, and you hear me, and you hear somebody try and explain how the story of trauma doesn't really matter, you immediately feel invalidated. I felt it's an immediate invalidation to everything that I went through when my identity is attached. So if your identity is attached to the trauma, you know that if you feel invalidated by someone telling you that the story doesn't matter. That was me. I, I would, like, don't tell me I haven't come through and don't tell me I haven't done all this work and you invalidate that story. Now, I haven't, ooh. So that's one way to know that we're adapted and that we're not in it. We can, I, I saved so much time when I ended up back here in this distance between the events and my actual actions and the first thoughts I had awareness of. There's four trillion plus bytes per second being processed in our unconscious minds every second and only 4,000 bytes per second by our conscious mind, the amount of data that's happening between the event and our actual response could be a very large distance. So we come together and looking at that, okay, we all have adaptations, but what's different? And, and if we're all on the same page of trying to get back to honoring that special person within, then that makes sense. We can all get back there. And if you have zero, I want to talk to you because you have perspective and information that is different from I do when you experience things because you're not from this fully adapted side where one thing just triggers you off. And we learn to take triggers, you know, part of IRTR and staying in the ownership space and gaining this awareness, one of your benefits as you begin to gain this awareness is that 
you end up being able to find and see the triggers without the reaction and back up from taking action from it that's a reaction and ask yourself questions and learn from the experience. And then you can start making different decisions and different actions that bring you further and closer and closer to that natural, innocent, normal self. And through that, there's all types of tools and resources that you can use between therapists and coaches to absolutely overcome these things faster than we've ever been able to with less pain, with less visitation to the actual problem. So when I was finally able to hear in my story, when I was finally able to hear that the story doesn't matter and I was able to sit in that, I stopped talking about trauma for about three or four years because I was so relieved to not be attached to the story anymore and how that affected my identity. And in the process of really noticing all these things, I was able to completely remove myself from that. From I was able to remove myself, remove myself from all of the charged emotion that came with it, and I was able to replace the emotions that I had to historical events with lessons. And I no longer had to carry the emotion. So when we're working on controlling, or not controlling, but managing our thoughts, because thoughts are creating, we start to understand what to focus our thoughts on, and we're given an option that actually works, that doesn't invalidate the story, but takes the lesson from it to let it go. Then the story becomes a really valuable message or vulnerable share with someone else who you might be able to be of service to and help get through their own struggles. And if you're a zero or you're a 10, you can then, in this framework, begin to understand everyone else greater and be able to be of service in that way because you will find a relatable crossover to be of service from your specific place. How many people do you know that hear a traumatic story and immediately relate and run over and almost take on the person's trauma or problem because they're so empathetic and don't know how to do it. That we, we need, it's so valuable for you to learn how to just show up exactly as you are. No one can be you better than you. You don't need to go over and be someone else or help them by caring it for them. We just get to show up and be that authentic self. So that's the public service announcement for today. This all came up because I'm in Van Nuys at Chobo Studios. And I came in to get some studio time because I'm a pod shuttle uh, client. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I had this, and they, they gave me this amazing gift of coming in and getting some studio time. They made, they just this last Christmas, they said, look, you know, you're paying for this, this, so we're going to give you this. And it, and it included a bit of studio time and I'm here and I came in to leverage and duplicate. You'll hear, you'll hear that discussion often in at tip of the sword and, and at, at, in the point is that, you know, I came in and leveraged my time by also being in the funniest thing with Daryl and Ed. And you can look up, it's Daryl and Ed. Daryl and Ed.com. Or Dar you can look on YouTube, Daryl and Ed. Daryl and Ed.com or Daryl and Ed on YouTube, and you'll find the, their podcast. And we were on it today. And these are some of the topics that came up. And then Indy and I went to lunch afterwards and started getting into some conversations. And it was like, you know, this is a public service message. And this is a way of reaching out and offering help to people. And I'm, I'm not shy about this topic when it comes with working with people. I find, and you will find, <laughs> this stuff is everywhere. 
And there's different varying degrees of people's openness and awareness to it. And I'm here to tell you, no one has to remember anything. No one, it, we can clear, we can clear the emotion from the events and we can absolutely help someone move forward. We can, we can help people find the awareness they need from their authentic perspective. You can find your authenticity inside of this framework anywhere and it and it doesn't matter there's no judgment on where you are on the scale we need each other you need me i need you you need everyone in your life and really you need them if they're showing up authentic if they're showing up adapted and don't want help and don't want to do anything that could be very disruptive so You've learned some skills, you've learned some thoughts, you've learned some ways of thinking here today that I encourage you to use moving forward. And if you want to continue this conversation, reach out to me at, at the point, DM me on um, in, in any of the feeds. If, if you're hearing this in a clip, well, that won't really happen, will it, Indy? Um, <laughs> Either way. How do I end this? <laughs> this was meant to be a this – is, this is a – public service announcement to be of benefit and use to anyone trying to relate to other people in this world of all kinds of things going on and all kinds of implanted and, and just natural, truthful and honest things that happen to us in the world. And you want to get more clear on some paths you can take to help someone or help yourself reach out and Myself or someone else on my team will make sure that you get connected to the resources that you need to help you do that. And in that light, I will say that you can always dial, um, you know, veterans have a hotline. What's the new hotline number? It's not, it's not 911, it's 711 or? We'll find that. We're going to look that up really quick and um, pull it up. If you're ever, <clears throat> um, it's the 988. So if you're feeling like harming yourself or some other type of thing, if you're in some form of a crisis, let's just leave it there. If you're feeling like you're in some form of a crisis and it feels really extreme, dial 988 or, or reach out and get a crisis hotline going and get the help. Call a friend, do something. It's, this is an amazing life we get to live. And you get to live an amazing life. And if you are authentically you, you'll get there. So that being said, uh, reach out and you will get the resources you need. I appreciate you guys watching and listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for another amazing episode of The Point with me, Jeff Spikes. The greatest compliment you could give me is liking, loving, and sharing this episode with all your friends. So please, if you're on Spotify, iHeart, or iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Make sure to tag me. I love hearing from you, the listeners of this show. The links for all my social and iTunes are in the show notes. Also, if you'd like to engage with me in anything related to my coaching, consulting, speaking, or programs, please visit jeffspikes.com for everything you would need to know to engage with me offline. And lastly, thank you for your time, your attention, and your consideration. This is The Point.